the voice of reason, the voice of alarm, the voice of stats, the voice of scouts, the voice of Kool-Aid, the voice of dismay, the voice of Davo. Well, let's start with the good news, and there is a little bit. The Royals played a pretty good game tonight and have played pretty well the last three nights. They got beat tonight, and they got beat in game two, but they've been playing more like Royals baseball that we're used to the last three seasons. The bad news, though, and of course the most important news, is that the Royals come home two games under 500 after a dreadful two and five road trip and in my book the Royals now face a must sweep series against the Atlanta Braves will they get that done we'll discuss the Braves tell you plenty about them look at the three starting pitching matchups that's all coming up in a bit oh by the way more bad news too 40 percent of the Royals starting rotation now on the DL as of today it's Dave glad you're along clubhouse conversation another edition of your dish yeah we'll preview the three game set coming up against the dreadful Atlanta Braves we'll discuss the injuries but let's start by looking at this one and start with our player of the game tonight player of the game Alex Gordon who hits his fourth home run of the season Alex gets player of the game for the second time in the last three nights. Yeah, fourth home run of the year goes two for four with two RBIs and a run. We've been telling you for about the last seven to ten days that Alex really looks like Alex and he's starting to come out of things. And that's very good news. That's why I'm saying there is some good news tonight. And again, Gordon's good news. Kane's been hitting the ball well. Hosmer continues to. Hosmer got on base twice tonight, both via the base hit, including a double, driving in a run. Christian Cologne also with two hits tonight for the Royals. So, again, the good news is Gordon's playing a lot better. Kane's playing a lot better. Hosmer's playing a lot better. We're seeing Kendris Morales start to drive the ball a little bit. We're seeing Ned Yost not play Omar Infante every day. That's going to strengthen the offense, even though Christian Cologne is not a great major league second baseman. He's still an improvement at this point over where Omar Infante is. You got Mike Moustakas coming back in about 10 days. So offensively, I'm just saying things are starting to look a little up. Escobar's playing a little better. Offensively, it's good. The Royals get just two walks tonight, but they did only strike out five times. I always say, okay, you can walk twice or less. or Well, not less. You, you can walk twice. That's my cutoff. You always need to walk at least twice every game. Doesn't matter. You have to just by dumb accident, by dumb luck, walk twice. But if you're only going to walk twice, you can't strike out a max of four or five times. Five is the absolute max. You know, if, if you walk three times, it's still five. You walk four times, we'll let you go to six. You walk five times, we'll let you go to eight. That's kind of my ratio for walks versus strikeouts. So the Royals, five strikeouts, okay. Two walks, not really good, but okay. They fall to 16 and 18, the Yankees to 14 and 19. Man, the Yankees now have over 20% of their season wins against the Royals, about 22%. So they're kind of sad to see the Royals leave town. Now, before we talk about the tough luck losing pitcher, Ian Kennedy, whose line is not near as bad as he pitched, or wait, is that vice versa? His line's a lot worse than he pitched. <laughs> there we go. Opposite day. There we go. We'll talk about that in a second because it sounds stupid if you didn't watch the game to call him a tough luck loser when you're giving up seven earned runs, right? And six and a third, but he was better than that indicated. But the game was, to me, officially decided not only because of the three home runs that Ian Kennedy gave up, two of them of the Yankee Stadium variety, but also the fact that the Royals in the top of the fifth came oh so close to taking a lead. So the Royals are trailing 5-3 to three after a three-run shot from Chase frickin' Headley Ugh. earlier. Starlin Castro also homered earlier to start things off for the Yankees. Oh, I get stressed thinking about it. But the Royals are down 5-3, to three, right? And then they have a two-out rally. Kind of classic Royals. Eric Hosmer doubles. Kandris Morales walks. Alex Gordon singles and Haas. So you've got first and second two outs now, right? You're down 5-3. to three. Salvador Perez 
over and over against Nathan Avaldi trying to take him to right field. Over and over. Gets a 1-2 pitch and gets it well. And well being relative to the ballpark he's in. At, at the K, it's not even close to a warning track. But the ballpark he's at, and that's what you're playing that night, Salvador Perez takes a 1-2 pitch to the fence. Carlos Beltran it makes a tiny bit of a jump. Probably didn't have to jump very much. Maybe maybe even didn't have to jump, really. But makes a jumping catch. The ball would have landed about halfway up the wall if Beltran whiffed it somehow. So you figure Salvi's about five feet away from a three-run home run, probably three feet away from a double tying the game. So the Royals come that close to going up six to five or tying it at five. Beltran makes the jumping catch, and it was like you could feel the air come out of the Royals at that point, right? I mean... They'd given up the long ball again, gotten behind in the first inning again on the Castro home run, and that was their chance to kind of battle back. They get a two-out rally, get one of the runs in, come that close to going up a run after the Yankees had already hit a couple home runs at that point, and it just didn't happen. Just barely missed the home run. And then, like I said, the Yankees sewed it up a little bit later. The seventh inning, Ian Kennedy couldn't get through it after getting the leadoff hitter. Both runs get charged to Ian Kennedy after Chin Ming Wong allows both inherited runners to score in that seventh inning. Kennedy's line, six and a third, seven runs on five hits. Did strike out six. He continues to strike out nearly a hitter per inning. Six and a third, six strikeouts, three walks. And like I said, the three home runs, you had Starling Castro, you had the big Chase Headley, and you had the D.B. Gregorius. And it's just... It's not good that Chase Headley hits his first home run of the year against you. And guys like Starlin Castro and D.D. Gregorius are guys who will struggle to go to double digits this year for home runs. So that's obviously not good, giving up three home runs. I mean, giving up one home run to those guys isn't great, but three is awful, right? But this, to me, from Ian Kennedy was more of a seven-inning, two-run night. Like I said, it was six and a third, seven runs. How can I say that? You know, If you're watching the game, you know probably three to four of those runs came off of Yankee Stadium tonight, right? That takes him down to three or four runs right there. And again, he's pitching at Yankee Stadium. Like, I'm making excuses if I sit here and say, oh, he made good pitches. I hate that. I hate, I hate, I hate it when guys do that. So that's you know, pot kettle. I'm acknowledging that, it's, that I'm kind of doing the same thing here. Because the, the Royals weren't pitching at Kauffman Stadium or the frickin' Polo Grounds. They were pitching at Yankee Stadium. So really, I guess it doesn't matter. I guess really you have to say Kennedy didn't pitch well, right, overall. But I just it, just it just felt like he was so damn close to having a good night. When you have two balls that are fly ball outs and 85% of ballparks, again, I know. All right, I'll move on. It was a bad outing, I guess. But it just seemed like it was a lot better. It, it should have been a seven-inning, two-run outing in majority of ballparks and even in Yankee Stadium. Kennedy was one or two pitches away and again he didn't make the pitches in baseball you're normally one or two pitches away. I'm making excuses. I know. I feel like Daryl May right now. Remember him? From the 0-2-0-3 Royals that era maybe 0-4 also. Remember him? Oh, I gave up seven earned and three and two thirds including three home runs but I made good pitches. I wouldn't change anything. You know, I made good pitches. It was like every start, every five days he made good pitches but gave up five earned runs. <laughs> it used to drive me nuts. Anyway, Scott Alexander, who comes up from Omaha, unfortunately, throws a scoreless inning with a hit and a K. And I say unfortunately because that means the Royals have injuries. Alexander and Peter Moylan added to the 40 and brought up. Moylan, of course, a lot of big league experience, including with the Atlanta Braves that we'll talk about here in about two minutes. But not good. 40% of the Royals rotation goes on the DL today. Chris Young, the forearm, I do suspect he'll be back. I don't even know if I'll need a rehab assignment. I mean, they can retroactive it. He could be probably off the DL in, what, nine, ten more days? Don't even know if they would need him. Maybe once, one or two outings in the minor leagues. Maybe if they want to, you know, in a perfect world, if Young and Moylan are 
uh, or not Young and Moylan, if uh, Alexander and Moylan are lighting the world on fire and everyone's pitching better in the rotation, maybe you try to buy another 10 days before you have to make a decision on a roster spot. Most likely he comes right off and comes back to the Royals. That's the good news to me. I, I don't think it's serious with Chris Young. However, Chris Medlin I'm not thinking is a good sign when you have rotator cuff and, you know, and shoulder soreness. That's not good. Especially for a guy who's already had two elbow surgeries. You can't help but wonder if somehow uh, the elbow's compensating or the form's different, and now it's the, the shoulder getting more of a workload on it. I don't I don't know. That's maybe a, that's a stretch. But it, regardless, it's not a good sign. That's not good for Medlin. I, I don't have a good feeling about that. And, and I, man, what a great guy. And what a guy who's been through so much and worked so hard to get back from two Tommy Johns. I Fingers crossed for Medlin, man. I mean, he, he deserves to come back. And a guy who I had big hopes for this year, and a guy who's at a career crossroads, obviously. If, if it's the shoulder, eh, that's not a good sign. And everyone involved knows it. Not a good sign at all if it's the shoulder. If it's serious, I mean. We know it's the shoulder. I'm saying if it's a serious shoulder injury. If it's even close to the surgery line, you wonder. You know, We're not going to speculate, but it's not good. So you lose 40% of your starting rotation. That just means now Ventura has to get it together. Has to become the legit number three starter. He has to be a big league number three starter now. And again, the Royals to me have three number three starters that they're pitching well. They have Kennedy, they have Volquez, they have Ventura. All three must now be number three starters. The Royals have literally no margin for error now with their starting rotation from here on out. Literally. You got Dylan G in the rotation and he's a wild card. Hopefully he's able to become a number three or number four. You know, if he can become a big league number four, I'll take that. Then you have three number threes and a number four, best case, and you have to figure out a way with that fifth starter to massage your way through it. Maybe Mike Miner's that guy. Pitched his first game a couple nights ago for Northwest Arkansas. He's probably three to four minor league starts away. Maybe he's the guy that takes over and becomes the number five you know, guy and maybe becomes a legit number four. Maybe you go find somebody cheap at the deadline. Not likely. Because, for one thing, if you're hurting for pitching that bad in July, you're probably not going to be in it at that point. Another thing, the Royals will have a lot of prospects. And there's nobody controllable past this offseason, really, that's worth anything. So, And the Royals have a need, obviously, for potentially a bat. So I don't know. It's it's not a good thing. You know, you, you hope Kyle Zimmer can make it up at some point. Not hold my breath there because he's in Wilmington and is not stretched out and seems to not, outside of one summer, be able to stay healthy for more than five, six, seven outings in a row. There are some guys in Omaha that are intriguing that aren't on the 40. you got Brian Dunsing, a guy that I'll be talking to tomorrow, Brooks Pounders. That interview will be up here in Clubhouse Conversation. Has, is very intriguing. Former second-round pick of the Pirates. The Royals got him in that big Yamiko Navarro trade that I'm sure you all remember. Well-publicized trade, Yamiko Navarro. Give yourself 20 bucks if you remember who he is. I do, but I don't think too many people do. <laughs> Royals got him from the Red Sox, infielder, second base, third base. I mean, you've got – there's a few other guys. I mean, there, there's some nice arms down there, but I, I it's just – I don't know that the Royals want to bring somebody up like that in the middle of a quote-unquote playoff slash pennant race. And and if it gets to that point, my point is that it's not probably a good sign either. The Royals are the Royals are just about to the no-margin-for-error point of the season, guys. I mean, there's still a lot of baseball left. We're still only about 20% through, but the Royals – Two games under 500 are going to have to start winning here pretty quick. I mean, they're really a week past that point. We said that about a week ago. They have to come home and sweep the Atlanta Braves. Let's talk about that now. They have to sweep the series. Two out of three is not acceptable. They have to sweep the series. And I understand that it's a major league team the Royals are facing. And I understand that saying you have to sweep somebody in May is a pretty pretty, uh, pretty bold statement to make. And maybe not the most realistic thing. They got to do it, guys. The Braves come in with eight wins and 25 losses. 
well on their way to an easy 100 losses. Think Detroit Tiger bad from 2003. We're talking they could get within probably five. They're probably not that bad, but within five or ten games of that for sure. They, they could have an outside shot at chasing the Tigers, especially if the Royals can sweep them and get them to 20 under before June 1st, right? Before May 20th, before May 15th, right? Uh, the Braves have only nine team home runs in 33 games. That means that they're homering about once every n- almost four games. So it, it, that means the Braves should probably hit one home run this entire weekend at Kauffman Stadium. They're not good. Nine team home runs. And Freddie Freeman has six of them. So if I'm Royals pitching, you got Nick Markakis, legitimate big league hitter in the leadoff spot, although his power is mostly gone and he's not the same Nick Markakis he used to be. But he's a solid major league player leading off the lefty. And then you've got Freddie Freeman hitting in the three spot. Those are the only two bats that really can beat you in this lineup, especially Freeman. If I'm the Royals, I'll almost give them the Bryce Harper treatment for the majority of the weekend. They, I mean, this, this is a team that runs, and no offense, because I love Jeff Francoeur. Frenchie's the man, but, but he's hitting cleanup a lot of time, or fifth. A.J. Pierzynski hits cleanup a lot, or fifth, a lot of times. I mean, you got Pierzynski and Frenchie regularly hitting in a four and five spot in a big league lineup. And again, not knocking those guys, especially Frenchie. But that's not a good sign. Frenchie would tell you that. Frenchie knows he's not a cleanup hitter on a good team. So really, it's the Freddie Freeman show. And you might say, well, Danny Duffy should have a huge advantage on Sunday, right? Well, Freeman's got pretty good, almost reverse splits. He hits lefties really well. And plus, Duffy's only going to get him two bats. So it's not really anything to talk about. But the Braves don't score. The Braves have decent pitching. And if, and if you're a fan of right-handed pitching, you're going to love the Braves. They throw out three starting pitchers who are all right-handed. Now, here's some interesting stuff here that I found. Of the three starting pitchers the Royals will see, the Royals, think about it for a second. You know, the average, let's let's say an average three-game set. The Royals are going to face a team. You almost always see a minimum, even if it's different leagues. You almost always combine between the three starters with as much as guys switch leagues now, both pitching and offense. You almost always have anywhere from, what, 30 to 100 at-bats at least But uh, against, you know, I'm saying the whole offensive roster against the combined three starting pitchers. I mean, you're normally going to have well over 100 bats at-bats. The Royals have just two combined at-bats against these three starting pitchers. Kendrys Morales is 0 for 2 against Julio Tijeran, who pitches tomorrow night. Literally, that's it. Morales has seen Tijeran twice, and nobody else in the Royals roster has seen the three starters KC is getting. I don't know exactly what that means, but I don't know. A lot of times, it's an advantage pitcher, but uh, Tijeran's pretty good. He really is. And the guy on Sunday, Matt Whistler, the Royals will see is pretty good also. So the Royals will get two pretty good starting pitchers. I mean, arguably, Tijeran's the best pitcher Pitching this weekend. The same with Whistler on Sunday. Volquez would be the other one. That'd be the, Those would be the top three guys, starting pitching-wise, because the Royals are throwing Dylan G, who's unproven for his first start, Danny Duffy on Sunday for his unproven first start. So legitimately, the Braves have, do have two of the three best starters this weekend out of the six. So that's the one thing they have going. The Royals have the edge on bullpen, defense, everywhere else. And they're playing at home. They got a sweep. And it's not and it's not like the Braves have a huge advantage. I'm not saying these guys are great. I mean, Tiaren's got a 3-4-8 in the NL, which is equivalent to basically what Volquez has, a 3-8-9. He'd essentially have the exact same ERA in the AL. So that's kind of even a toss-up. But Tiaren comes off five innings, one run, five hits against Arizona, strikes out five. He does miss bats. He struck out 39 in 41 on the third. Great movement, more of a 93-94 setting. Can dial it up a little bit more than that. Has a whip of 1-2-1, does Tiaren. 14 walks and 41 and a third. So he's going to mainly throw strikes. The Royals might draw two or three walks off of him. Got to find a way to get three to four runs off of Tigerin in, in six plus innings, though. I don't want him finishing the seventh, and I don't want him giving up anything less than three. 
Anton Volquez comes off a couple of bad outings in a row. Five runs and four and a third his last outing against Cleveland. I look for him to rebound in a big way tomorrow night. Seven innings, two runs or less from Volquez. Seven Ks. I think the Royals get it done tomorrow. Five to two. Nobody on Atlanta has seen Volquez more than three times, except for Tyler Flowers, who's five for ten. Freddie Freeman, two for eight. Yeah, Tyler Flowers, the former White Sox catcher who once James Shields' first start in a Royals uniform, beat the Royals one nothing on opening day with a solo home run. Remember that one at the cell? Yikes. Now, I'm going to butcher this guy's name. <laughs> Mike Fultnowitz, I believe is how you say it. Mike Fultnowitz, F-O-L-T-Y. N-E-W-I-C-Z. Whatever the hell the guy's name is is pitching on Saturday. Mike Fultinowitz. I think Fultinowitz. Fultinowitz, I believe is how you say it. There we go. 0-1 with a 506. We're just going to call him Mike. Mike is 0-1 with a 506 versus Dylan G. First start of the year as a 261. No Royals seen him. A guy who's not good throughout his career. He's had like one good start his entire career. <laughs> that was the last time out. Parts of three seasons at the big league level. Well over five ERA all three years. That's in the NL as well. So, you know, pushing six in the AL. He's not good. Did come off of seven innings, eight Ks, two runs against the Diamondbacks. So he was good against a pretty good offensive Diamondbacks team his last time out. I'll give him that. And G is first start of the year. Now, a little bit more for the Braves against Dylan G. Freddie Freeman has seen him 37 times. So lots of data there. He has two home runs. He's hitting 243. So G has held him pretty well in check. Kelly Johnson, 357 and 14 at bats. Nick Markakis, four out of nine against Dylan G. Now, finally, on Sunday, by the way, I like like the Royals in all three of these games. I do. So they're going to win that one. They're going to win Sunday as well. But I don't know. I get a little nervous predicting a sweep just because of the fact that the Royals have two guys who can't go more than 80 pitches. I mean, Dylan G is probably on an 80-pitch max on Saturday. Danny Duffy on a 50-pitch max on Sunday. So, I mean, on Saturday Saturday for G, Sunday for Duffy. That's So, you know, when you've got a guy like Matt Whistler who's gone eight innings, two starts in a row, and he comes in with a 3-2-7. The Royals have literally never seen him. Of course, the Braves haven't seen Duffy either, but I don't know. I guess it does make it a little bit difficult to predict a sweep when you've got two spot starters essentially going against, you know, TRN, Whistler, or or legit 3-4 starters in the big leagues. So we'll see. The, The Royals have to win this. They have to sweep this series, though. Have to. And if, and if they lose this series, if they don't win two games out of three, then I will be pretty close to calling this one uh, murky. Uh, the season won't be over. So lots of baseball left and lots of games against the Central. And the Royals, of course, are still just one nine out of ten, ten in a row, eight in a row, 11 of 15 away from jumping right back to the top of the division. But if you can't, after the stretch you've been in, you've been playing this badly, you're coming home against the worst team in baseball, a team that'll lose well over 100. If you can't win two out of three, you've got big freaking problems. So I don't think that's going to happen. I think the Royals will find a way to get the sweep. They have to. And I don't care that the Bra- that we have two spot starters. You have to sweep the series. You have to sweep the series. Have to. Period. Period. I will be extremely hard on the Royals if they don't sweep this series because they have the margin for error is gone now. It is. I mean, it really is. The, Roy- the Royals cannot have a stretch like this now the rest of the entire season. And when you've got teams with the Braves at home, you've got to get three wins. So there you go. A little bit fired up tonight. A little bit longer than normal. A 20-minute dish for you on this Thursday night. We'll finish this up here. Get this thing posted so you can check it out. And, and like I said, Friday morning, it'll be actually be about, probably be about 1 o'clock tomorrow afternoon, a.k.a. Friday afternoon. About 1 o'clock Friday, be looking for a nice interview with Brooks Pounders, starting pitcher for Omaha. Check out his stats. Very nice. A guy you should keep your eye on going forward. 
We'll speak with him tomorrow. No dish tomorrow. I'll be back on Saturday, though. So we'll be back again Saturday night. The Royals, hopefully by then, will have two wins in the win column. Until then, have a great night. Go Royals. Must sweep. Must get it done. No excuses.